You may have heard about emotional intelligence, and really it is those foundational skills about human emotion and about connecting with other humans. And it really is coming up more and more in the research around the the types of skills that we need in order to be successful in our personal lives. And as well, it is the skills that employers are saying they're looking for in the folks that they're hiring. So even amidst a time where we're looking for employing people in the tech industry, these companies are saying we can teach the tech skills to these employees, but we can't teach emotional intelligence. That's something that they need to come to this job with. So in this episode, Morgan's going to unpack a little bit about emotional intelligence and what it means to leverage and to work on that because it is something that you can develop over the course of your lifetime. And a gap year is an excellent time to tap into that type of growth. So take a listen. Welcome to the Gap Year Podcast, where we explore the who, what, where, when, and why of gap years. It's real people sharing their stories, ideas, and experts diving deep how you can make the right decisions in order to have a meaningful gap year. This is the place to be no matter where you are on your gap year journey. I'm Michelle Dittmer, your resident gap year expert. Let's jump right in. And welcome to the Gap Year Podcast. Today, I have a phenomenal guest, Morgan, who is the founder of Entry Learning. It's an organization that he created to facilitate spaces for exploration, for connection, and for growth for individuals, for people leaders, and for groups. And uh, he has an incredible background as a certified coach, as a facilitator, and as an EQ or an emotional intelligence practitioner. So, so welcome to the show, Morgan. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. Happy to be here. I'm so interested in your background. Uh, we connected many moons ago, and there's some people in this world, when you meet them, they just kind of light up a room, and they are so human and so well-connected, and that's something that you just exuded when I first met you. So I'd love for you to, to bring some of the background that you have um, and why you're so passionate about emotional intelligence to the listeners. Um, thank you so much. That's very kind of you. Um, I always find that when you and I have conversations, it's just very easy to keep going and uh, really have always uh, valued the opportunity to share that with you. So um, glad to be doing it here. Emotional intelligence, you know what? I think it's, it's such a hot topic. It's such a buzzword. It's, it's the 21st century skill that everybody wants. And in my experience, nobody actually wants or cares about quote unquote emotional intelligence. Like nobody's going to the store and buying emotional intelligence. What they're actually looking for is a greater sense of self-awareness and purpose in their lives. Um, greater ability to connect with people uh, in a way that's, you know, generative and greater ability to go out and kind of achieve their goals in the world. And, Luckily, all of those things are related to emotional intelligence, um, but nobody, in my experience, it's been very humbling. I say, hey, look, everybody, I'm this EQ specialist, and people say, yeah, so what? Can you help me with my team or my relationship or my, you know, my own sense of exploration and growth in my life? Um, so all of that makes sense to me because those are all the reasons that led me to EQ in the first place. When I was a teenager, I was a weirdo. I wanted to go away on the weekend and like go do group workshops where we sat around and talked about our inner lives and learning to express our emotions and learning to communicate with nonviolent communication and uh, learning to uh, sort of envision and articulate and manifest the purpose that we wanted to bring into the world. So I was kind of a deep 16-year-old in high school. It was a lonely time for me, uh, but that has sort of stayed with me. I still feel very much in relationship with that 16-year-old who wanted all of those things. 
And I've gotten to the point now in my career where I realize EQ is just sort of the wrapper that we put on that, on those impacts, on those benefits in our lives. Um, and I've never stopped wanting those things. Uh, I've just found a way through practicing emotional intelligence um, that can help me bring those things more into my life and into the life of the people that I care about and into the lives of my clients. I love it. And so for the typical 16 year old out there that might not be as inwardly connected, what might emotional intelligence show up for them or for the parents of 16 year olds out there? Um, what might that look like? Or what are some of the, the pieces where you can recognize in a young person that they, that they have emotional intelligence or um, that, they, that they are working towards developing some emotionally intelligent skills? Uh, yeah, and great question. <laughs> and the, the other beautiful thing is, you know, I'll I'll be and we'll be talking together, you and I, and and hopefully for all the sixteen and eighteen and twenty one year olds out there listening, you know, we're speaking to you, but I'm also speaking to myself because I have to constantly be practicing this stuff and telling this to myself. So, um, emotional intelligence is really simply just being smarter with my feelings. Um, everybody has feelings regardless of how they might present themselves and we all have emotions it's just how we've evolved um, I've been really fortunate to train with the six seconds emotional intelligence network and uh, Joshua Friedman the CEO um, was one of my facilitators and he talks about um, everybody having emotional intelligence uh, it's it's the thing that differs from, you know, cognitive intelligence or IQ. EQ is changeable. EQ is learnable. EQ is uh, a muscle that you can exercise and realize you can have more impact with it. So the, the thing about EQ is that you don't just go out and get it and then suddenly you have it. This is something that you can practice every day. This is something where Every moment, and this is something I really, that's very close to the, to the reason that I started entry learning, was that change isn't something that's going to happen later. It's like, oh, as soon as I graduate from university, then I'll be able to have the life that I want. Or as soon as I go and get that job, then I'll be the person who I've always wanted to be. Every moment and every day, you are creating that person. And then one day you look back and look at all the choices that you made and say, wow, all those choices that I made led me here and made me the person that I am today. And so if I want to like that person <laughs> who I become, <laughs> I want to be able to enjoy my life. I want to be able to feel connected to the people I'm in relationship with. I want to feel inspired and engaged and in love with the work that I do every day to, to give the world more of what it needs. And I can't do that without emotional awareness um, without intention for what I want to do with these big feelings that I have sometimes um, because I have choices and I have options and how I respond when these feelings do come up and they do come up, we can't help it. And then finally, like how purposeful do I want to be? How big do I want to dream? What impact do I want to have? And, and how do I want to be in relationship with people? Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot out there that you can do with EQ but to begin, just to simplify it and say EQ is about being smarter with your feelings. And it's asking myself, how self-aware am I? How intentional am I? And what's my purpose in this moment? And so why are we so scared of feelings? <laughs> I think that's a, that's a really big question because we, we sometimes think of emotions as the enemy. Um, or these things that are overwhelming, or they're big and they're scary, um, or they they're all consuming sometimes. And it, there is a whole scale of what emotions are. But why do why are we scared of talking about emotions as as a North American society? Um, it's not something that that is readily. I would say in a lot of households, mine included, um, something that we're, that we're completely comfortable with. And, and what, is your, what is your take on why that might be? Yeah, I mean, and I, I wish that I knew more about this, but, you know, from a historical perspective, Western society that I'm including in North America in 
there's an aspect of the of the of the ethos where we're gonna go and um, we're gonna go and conquer, and not necessarily you know, and and there is like a really uh, nasty historical angle to that. But then there's also this inner like I'm gonna conquer my fear. I'm gonna I'm gonna overcome all obstacles, and I'm gonna become king of the world. And so this society that I notice, particularly in my work with men and with young people, um, th those are the two areas where I've spent a lot of my time working. There's been this idea that um, I need to be the master of my universe. I need to be um, in control. And that's success, is when I can look around and sort of feel like I'm on top of everything. And sometimes that could just be like, yeah, I'm on top of my day-to-day -day tasks, feeling good. Other times it's a sense of I'm actually invulnerable. And that sense of safety and that sense of false security, and I call it false security because when you're invulnerable to something, that's another, it's like you're in, you're in prison. Like you've, you've insulated yourself from the world to the extent that you're invulnerable to it, which kind of means you're cut off from it. A part of life is unpredictable. A part of life is messy. As human beings, we're messy and we're emotional and we're unpredictable and that can be really scary. I have a huge amount of empathy for people who have gone through experiences where they've been vulnerable and they got burnt. And so it's only natural that we would want to protect ourselves from being hurt. On a neuroscience level, so much of our habits and our behaviors are designed to avoid even the possibility of being uncomfortable. And that makes a lot of our habits up. And so if in those situations that are uncertain or that are new or that are ambiguous or that are volatile, I might experience all of these big feelings, these big emotions that I can't control. They're, they're so powerful um, that in, I might feel like I'm losing control and it's really scary. And especially because we haven't taught people how to respond to our emotions. We haven't taught emotional intelligence in school and lots of families struggle to build it in their families. So I think there's a general desire for me to stay on top of things, to stay in control. And that means that emotions, which are really irrational and powerful and mysterious to me, are kind of like a threat to that. So we've organized ourselves as a society where emotions are somehow like inferior to intellect. Um, that what we're feeling isn't as valuable as what we know or what we can do. But the sad part of it is that our emotional reality is such a huge motivator and driver of our behaviors and our beliefs and the way we treat ourselves and others that we're missing a huge opportunity. So, um, that's a really rambling answer, um, but I think that it's, it's necessary for me to let go of a little bit of control, to be really vulnerable, and through that process, I can become actually connected to myself, to other people, and to the world. So we're recording this at the time where we are in kind of the height of social isolation with COVID-19 and that sense of vulnerability, that sense of loss of control have been heightened for people. And I think people are, are recognizing the power that their emotions have um, in, in this vulnerable situation. And when you're talking about emotions being inferior to intellect, we're kind of being forced into a situation where those emotions are, are kind of the, the, the big equalizer <laughs> in this situation. Yeah. Is, is that something that you've been hearing as well? I mean, yeah, so many people, uh, you know, you see it in social media and in the news and just in the conversations in your, in your video chats with your friends that people are going through lots of big feelings right now. And again, I loved the training at six seconds because their model isn't just based off of like here, take an assessment and it's like a personality type. It's very much, here's how we can practice this on a day to day level. Um, this is something that it's a little bit of your dojo uh, that you spend time in every day, um, understanding and getting to know how we're responding on an emotional level. The, um, and I'm just trying to gather my thought here. The, um, can you repeat the question? 
I was, it was more just is, have you been seeing the, how emotions are playing out and people are being a little bit more responsive to their emotions or aware of their emotions, given the social isolation where we've had to quiet everything else in our lives. And those emotions are bigger because of the sense of, um, loss of control, uh, that, that we've been experiencing. So is, is our, are we in a situation where the our emotional intelligence has a real opportunity to grow um, because of what's happening with COVID nineteen? I mean, like absolutely unequivocally, unequivocally, I think this the the challenge challenges the opportunity for growth, and in fact, I think it's difficult for us to grow in the absence of significant challenge. Um, and so this is like the mother of all opportunities for us to get more connected to ourselves and stay connected to each other, which we've seen with how many Zoom invites we're, we're on in chat rooms right now, but also feeling out into the world saying, what does the world need more of right now? Maybe it's not the thing that I thought it was going to be. You know, maybe the world doesn't need more electronic back scratchers right now. Like that's not where I can be dedicating my time maybe I can be dedicating my time to reaching out and supporting others or um, whatever, whatever that is. So I think that there's a huge opportunity on an individual and a societal level. And I'm sure that families out there as well are seeing a lot of challenge right now that's real. And it's an amazing opportunity for them to look at how, how these emotions and these feelings are being shared and acknowledged and um, used within the family and within the home. The thing about emotion that I think is so, like we're so lucky that we have emotion is because on a uh, evolutionary level, the way that our brains have evolved, our brains have evolved over millions of years to have emotions and for emotions to work exactly this way. So we're walking through the jungle, you know, thousands of years ago, prehistoric humans, and we see a rustle in, we hear a rustling in the bush. And, uh, you know, it's a tiger and the tiger jumps out and eats us. And that means that we don't evolve. That means that, you know, whatever we were going to do with the rest of our lives doesn't happen. And somebody else who's walking through the bush the next day, and here's the wrestling in the bush, and it's a tiger, they have had an emotional response to the wrestling in the bush. And they start running away. And they live and they become everybody's ancestors and it's because they had that emotional response that worked way faster than our analytical cognitive brain. It's like, hmm, there's a wrestling in the bush. What could it be? Perhaps it's just a little bit of a breeze. What does my past experience tell me about this? It's a very slow way of thinking. Emotions are superior in situations like that because they're so fast. They give us instant feedback about something that is happening, which is important to us. We don't have emotion about things that aren't important to us. If, you know, the bus comes a minute early, that's relatively, you know, not important to us. But when we're talking about, are we going to be okay together? How are my kids going to come out of this stronger? How's our family going to come out of this stronger? Um, guidance counselors who are sitting with high school students in Zoom rooms right now, and those students are really struggling to make sense of what they're feeling or how to express it, saying, wow, like what you're going through right now must be important to you because you're feeling it. So our emotions in this situation with what's going on in the world right now are an amazing um, signal for us. Like they're an amazing beacon for us. And they're such an amazing asset for us to realize what is important about this situation and for us to live closer to purpose because our emotions are showing us the way. And this, of course, doesn't mean that we're going to turn our brains off and just go from our emotional, you know, sense. Um, but it, it completes the picture. And if we're only trying to use one half, then we're really going to be limited in how we can express and sort of like integrate all the things that we're feeling right now for the betterment of ourselves and our world. Yeah, there's, there's so much power 
and emotions. And, and I really like this idea of self-awareness. And I think that that plays into now that we have a little bit more time to ourselves uh, these days. And even that same sense in it when you're taking a gap year too is, is allowing those other things to be quieter so that you can do some reflection and, and think about um, who you are, who you want to be, what's important to you, all of those things that you were, you were mentioning. There, there's so much value now during COVID-19 time, as well as on a gap year where things can just be, you can, you can spend some time actually thinking about these things that sometimes get put on the back burner. Yeah, it's like, I, I totally agree. I hear from so many people today that they're feeling more drawn to connect with what's really important. And, you know, for some people, it's really difficult because you know they're going through challenges uh they don't have certain supports um they're in precarious situations and so that reality for them for those of us going through those situations is more a little bit about like just like survival right Mm -hmm. and so i i I really appreciate that we're all going through different challenges and that we're all responding in a different way and i think to a certain extent everybody can relate to this idea of really zeroing in and focusing on what is most important. And a lot of the distractions that keep us from that on quote unquote normal time have been removed. Um, There's a lot of things that we used to do that were sort of just helping us to pass the time or that were sort of trivial entertainment. And now we don't have those as distractions anymore. So yeah, we have to sort of sit with ourselves and we're spending way more time with ourselves, I think, than most of us have ever spent before. And we're spending way more time with those who are really close to us than maybe we ever have before. When I was on a gap year, it actually lasted for like a handful of years. I spent so much time with myself, just I was like a solo backpacker and like a hitchhiker. And I did some group travel as well. But I just spent so much time by myself as like the sunset and I was setting up my tent somewhere that was uh, such a formative, like such a foundational part of who I've become today, exactly because it gave me the opportunity to notice what came up for me without any other distraction and to start to have a relationship with myself at, a, at, a, at that age meant that I felt more self-aware in every other major decision that I've made. I mean, most major decisions that I've made. <laughs> in my life since then. And I think even if I've made mistakes, and I definitely have, and even if I've failed at things that I've tried, and I definitely have, all of those decisions felt right to me. All of those decisions felt true in the moment. And that means that all of the mistakes and failures that I took from that have like just made me, I hope, a little bit more wise today. So I can continue to like listen to that and I can continue to make decisions and take action in my life that is right and true to my purpose. Gap years are such a great opportunity for exactly that. And and I'm glad that you had that experience and and that you can share that because sometimes we're always looking for, well, what is the outcome? What is the, or or what is the output? What am am I I actually getting out of this? Am I going to earn X number of dollars? Am I going to get X certification? Am I going to... um, get more clarity on my my career path or what program I'm going to take afterwards. So there's there's these people are often looking for these very tangible outputs of what a gap year can provide, but there's such a a higher level of 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 understanding of yourself and understanding how the world works that can can pay dividends in every area of your life, not just which course are you going to take. Um, so thank you for sharing that part of your journey. Yeah, I mean, I I mentioned that my gap year lasted for years. <laughs> maybe, not what, maybe not what every parent wants for their kid, um, but my gap year happened actually after I'd finished post-secondary. And it was a struggle for me to finish post-secondary. Um, I, the, being in that institutional setting for that period of time, especially because I didn't take a gap year after high school, 
meant that I was, I was really like, uh, I was really ready to be out of an academic institution by the time that I was done. And I also had no better idea what I wanted to do with my life. So in a way, it's like for years afterwards, I said, yeah, it's good that I had that experience, I guess, but I don't really feel like I'm able to do anything with it because I don't actually feel like I really know myself or what I want to contribute to the world. Because I hadn't experienced the world. I'd been in the classroom that whole time. And so I, after graduating, I became a traveler. And my job was to be wandering and that was just like my career. That was my first career was as a traveler. And I moved to Montreal and I took up a job as a cook and I fell in love. And I just spent the next couple of years traveling the world and having really different experiences. I worked all these really random jobs. I worked as a, uh, I, I helped build rock ponds. You know, you walk in, in some neighborhoods and folks have little like ponds with koi fish in them. And there's this little artificial fountain and it's like this gurgling peaceful, you know, brook in your suburban backyard. <laughs> so, I mean, I did the most random stuff um, and it was just to try it out. And there was really, I, I was at a time where I had relatively few responsibilities. I had a little bit of student debt, but otherwise I felt like I had all of this freedom to do anything that I could kind of think of. I was like, okay, I need to make a little bit of money here so that I can go traveling. So I took this job building ponds and then I had money and I could go and travel and I could try something else. And so it involved a lot of trying things and a lot of failing and a lot of finding out, oh, you know what, that's not for me. And rather than go through this program where you do 13 years of grade school and then you go do a degree in post-secondary and you've been in school since you were five years old and now suddenly you're 22 and the, the, you know, there's this outdated expectation that you then know what you're going to do when you're all grown up. You now know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. That wasn't true for me. Um, I sort of was in awe of people who thought that they had that figured out because I definitely didn't. And so the, the travel experiences that I had, the work experiences that I had, the things that I found out I really loved and was really good at, and the things that I found out I wasn't very good at or just didn't really turn me on. Um, those were so useful in giving me more context and more, more perspective and just like more information to consider when I finally did realize what career I wanted to pursue um, as a facilitator, I'd been doing volunteer work as a facilitator with this organization that works with men to develop emotional intelligence called the Mankind Project. And I asked myself this really important question that I read in a book, I'm trying to remember the book, where it said, think of the moment when you are the most you, when you are the most happy, I think is how it put it. And I did lots of soul searching and I, I kind of realized and it, it felt like coming home when I was like, yeah, you know, when I'm, when I'm creating space for people to explore and connect and grow in themselves, that just feels like what I'm supposed to do. And after, I didn't know that back then, but after my gap year, I, it helped me figure that out. And as soon as I made the decision to pursue that, it was like it was easy. It was like it was just, yeah, this is how it's supposed to happen. If you think of an instrument in an orchestra, it's like, this is how you're supposed to play a violin. And I didn't know how to play it before, but traveling and having all these experiences helped me figure that out. And then as soon as I realized that that was the instrument I wanted to play, that this was the work I wanted to do in my life, it was, it just, it was just natural. And so it wasn't easy, I still had to hustle, but I moved to Toronto I studied at the uh, University of Toronto, um, Ontario Institute for Studies in Education, took their adult learning and development certificate. I trained as a coach at Erickson Coaching International. I trained at Six Seconds Emotional Intelligence Network as an EQ practitioner. And it's just all felt like, of course, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I love doing this. This is who I am. And so my gap year helped me figure out who I was so that when I made those big career decisions, I was doing it in line with what was really gonna fill me up and what was gonna allow me to make a bigger impact in the world. 
I think that's such an important piece for anybody who's questioning the value of a gap year to hear, because I often hear people saying, I, um, it's a waste of time or I'm going to be behind. And in hearing your story, even though you took a gap couple of years, I would argue that you probably found your calling a little bit sooner than maybe some of your peers who went directly into a career right after post-secondary um, because you were able to take that time and to get that clarity and to, to find something that's more fulfilling and it's going to end up making you happier, healthier, and um, more successful by your own definition of success than, than somebody who's just doing what they're with their undergrad <laughs> told them that they should be doing with their career. <laughs> well, I, I, I told you about that awkward, like deep 16 year old kid. And I'm definitely still that kid. Um, but I, but now I, you know, I, I've done this work with men and I've worked with a lot of really successful men who felt like they were following the script. They said, no, no, no. I, I went to university. I, I, you know, I became an engineer. I became a, a banker. I, I became a doctor. I, I then I, 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 I got married, I got a big house, I, I've got the kids, I've got the car. So why do I feel like it's not enough? Like, why do I feel disconnected from all of it? And, you know, the work that we do is then helping them connect to a sense of, of truth and purpose in themselves. It's like that, un, it's like that missing ingredient that you can't really put your hands on. Um, but if, you, if you're missing it, then no matter what you're material success in your life looks like it ends up feeling kind of empty and that can be really you know emotionally confusing for people they say wait i thought i was doing everything right and the, i do the same work with young professionals who are so passionate and want to make a difference in the world they just don't know how to do it and nobody has had the conversation with them about okay well here's how to connect with your own awareness, your own intention, your own purpose as an individual, regardless of what the world says, regardless of what, you know, everybody's, anybody would say the rules are. And I have chats with them uh, in coaching or in groups, helping them understand um, what are your values? And people say, well, I've never thought about that before. Okay, well, what are your strengths? What energizes you? Oh, I've never had that. I've never thought about that before. Nobody's ever asked me that. What motivates you? Workplaces today are looking for people who are a couple of things. They're looking for people who are self-motivated. They're looking for people who are engaged, who show up energized to work every day. And they're looking for people who are self-aware because that affects the extent to which they can collaborate with other people, communicate with people, uh, work with people who come from different perspectives and backgrounds and experiences than they do. That's really hard to do if I'm not self-aware. It's really hard to do if I don't know what I'm in it for. Uh, I'm going to get burned out if you ask me to work 50 hours a week at an exciting new job, but I don't know what's motivating me to do it. It's just impossible for me to keep that level of energy up if I'm not connected to my own source of emotional energy, if I don't know what fills me up and what makes me joyful, then I'm going to end up feeling afraid or sad or angry. And those things all take energy away from me. So I need to know what motivates me if I'm going to be successful as an adult and as a professional. And so companies want individuals to know this stuff, but individuals haven't been taught this. So it's falling on, you know, people who do the work that you do, Michelle, to provide opportunities for people to learn that so that they can bring that awareness and integrate it and, and apply it to, their, to themselves as a professional and as a parent and as a partner and as a collaborator. Yeah, I don't think there's a, a high school course called emotional intelligence uh, or or understanding who you are. Those those aren't courses that we see uh, alongside calculus and biology and uh, and law. Um, and and I would argue that they probably should there should be there and they should take precedence uh, because those are the things that um, that are really going to make people happy and. Uh, effective and, and, and better, better human beings and, and better members of their communities. So I think, I think that, that whether it's a gap year or whether it's taking time to reflect on your own or connect with professionals who are, who are in this sphere, it's so valuable. Um, Morgan, I was wondering if you had any 
reflection questions that people listening might be able to do just as they're lying in bed tonight or as their um, or conversations they could have around the dinner table that will help them get some clarity on who they are, what's important to them, um, what their values are. Uh, just some high level questions that, that might be useful to, to noodle on for a little bit. Some noodles. Cool. <laughs> um, so this was almost like the beginning of my experience working with six seconds. So the, the six seconds model is based on three pursuits. Um, it's based on knowing yourself, choosing yourself and giving yourself, which is a fancy way of saying how self-aware am I, how intentional am I and how purposeful am I in this moment? So everybody is going through this experience. And one of the things that's really special to me about the time that we're in right now is that it's very, maybe once or twice in a generation, is there something where everybody is paying attention to the same thing? Which is like an amazing opportunity for us to kind of like synchronize with each other in a certain way, or we can miss the opportunity. But um, a couple of questions, reflection questions that might be helpful for any young people listening or the, their parents or just any individual or leader who wants to know how to support your people. Um, think of it as uh, one, two, three, KCG. So know yourself, choose yourself, give yourself. The first question is, what are you feeling right now? And this is a uncomfortable, uh, fluffy, mushy question for some people. They say, leave feelings out of it. Um, but it's really important because if, if you're asking people to show up or if you're asking people to make change or if you're asking people to adjust to something that's new, it is inevitable that we're going to have an emotional response to that. So giving people the space without needing to fix it or solve it or argue with it at all, all we need to do is ask them, um, what are you aware of right now? What are you feeling right now? Put a name to it. And there's resources out there that help that can help people put names to it. And maybe we can share some of those later. And to just listen to that and very much like you're welcoming somebody into your home. It's like, oh, cool. I'm feeling scared right now. Like, let's just welcome and acknowledge that. That's a natural uh, response that makes sense to what's going on in the world right now, to feel fear. We feel fear when we feel lack of control. We feel fear when um, we don't know what's happening around the corner, when we're uncertain. Um, and we feel fear when there's a risk for us. We feel like something important to us is at risk. So just welcome all of those things. Fear is natural. Okay, you're feeling fear. I hear you. The next question is um, about choice. So this is around um, what are your options or what's important to you about that fear? And again, it could be, well, I feel like this is at risk. You know, I'm, I, I can't see my friends right now and I draw a lot of myself or my strength or my identity from my friends. Okay, cool. I, I hear you. So what are your options? You know, we're, we're, we're going through this conversation of social distancing or, you know, physical distancing because we're actually socially connecting in a really like beautiful way or we can. So what are your options with that fear? Do you want to reach out? Do you want to express that artistically? Um, do you want to have a conversation with somebody about it? Do you want to go and be by yourself and meditate on this? Or do you want to, you know, a friend of mine found this dance party on Zoom with a thousand people. So everybody's listening on headphones or, or whatever, and everybody's listening to the same music. And then the camera just switches every 20 seconds to like somebody else dancing. It's like, okay, I could, I could dance this out if I needed to, or I could write it out, or I could play a song, or I, could, uh, I, could, I have a bunch of different options for how to interpret what I'm feeling and what, what I might do with it. And then the third question is about giving yourself and giving yourself about purpose. So if it's about other people, it's about relationships, you can say, okay, how can I reach out to somebody right now in a way that I need to, or maybe in a way that I know they need to? You know, maybe this is happening with parents and their children, or teachers and their students, or you know, guidance counselors and that young person who is trying to deal with this stuff. 
Um, so how can I uh, be empathetic towards what the other person is going through? Um, and that requires empathy with myself. So it could be like, how do I want to give myself to others? How can I give more of what I need to myself? And that could be quiet or space. It could be connection or music or, you know, work, exercise, learning something new, planning what you're going to do when inevitably we do get through this crisis and we are going to get through it. So what's your gap year going to look like, for instance? Start planning now. Um, and the other piece, the final piece around giving yourself is it's around um, what you want to contribute to the world. And I would say to young people out there, you have so much passion that we need right now. I think young people are better at feeling than maybe once you've lived a little bit more life and you get a little bit more armor on you. And so like, how do you want to contribute what you're feeling to the world in a way that's going to create more of what you want to feel? More connection, more joy, more uh, purpose, more confidence, whatever that is for you, how could you do that? Um, so just to summarize, what are you aware of right now? And just put a name to it and notice it, no judgment. Um, what are your options? What are your intentions with this feeling? And how could you how could you express it or, or respond to it? Lots of options. And then the third piece is around giving yourself a purpose. So how can you use that feeling to connect with others or to create more of what you want to see in the world? And you could do this tonight when you're journaling before bed. You could have this conversation with your family around the dinner table. Um, you could you know, use this with your clients if you're somebody who works with people. And it's just a really basic ABC of emotional intelligence. And it's become something that I just am constantly doing all the time, uh, every day, because I'm going through big feelings too, and I want to know how I can contribute them to make a difference. That was pretty good for putting you on the spot. Uh <laughs> I, hope, I, I just hope that's editable. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. Um, I think that that those tangible steps make it so real for people, whether they are processing what's happening with COVID-19 or whether they're, they're processing something else that's going on, whether it's joyful, whether it's challenging, um, all of those emotions can come up and, and naming them and then moving towards what we, what we want to do with those emotions and how do we, and not necessarily how do we want to be productive with them? Cause it's not about being productive. Um, but, but how do we own those emotions and how do we, um, feel empowered by those emotions. And productivity might be a part of the equation for people, but I think the, 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 the capital P is about purpose. So sometimes your purpose is, okay, I need to get this done. Other times purpose is going to mean I actually need to let that go um, so that I can hang on to something else. So I can, you know, so that I can reconnect to what's really important. I'm going to need to let that go. And that can be purpose work as well. We don't have to be productive to be on purpose. Thank you for clarifying that. I think that's <laughs> an, important, an important message for people to, to hear and to, to let sink in a little bit. Um, when I'm trying, to, it's, I'm trying to learn it every day. Sometimes I get, I get trapped in, in trying to be productive and I just burn myself out a little bit. But every once in a while, it's also nice to put your head down and feel like you've achieved something. So... Yeah, and it is such a journey. Um, this this isn't something that, that you're going to get a degree in and then dust your hands off and say, "There we go, I'm done." Um, no. Like like you said, this is this is something that we're we're constantly working at to um, to refine, to change. And as we learn more about ourselves and more about our emotions, there there we're just uncovering other things to learn, um, which is such a a, a joyful thing to be able to look at and just see that, that the work here is never, never done. And the exploring of this, this facet is never done. Which is, uh, which is an encouraging thought, isn't it? That, uh, I mean, I think when, when people say, are we going to be okay? What I believe they're asking is, are we still going to be connected? Are we going to be connected as like a global community? Are we going to be connected as a society? Are we going to be connected as a group or as a family? Um, 
am I going to feel connected to myself after this? And I think even if the world is a chaotic place all around us and we're still feeling connected, then I think that we're going to feel okay. And, uh, you know, what I want people to take from this conversation, hopefully if there's one thing that you take, it's that you can be your own source of that connection by starting with yourself and then sharing that with the people that you're connected to and contributing a little bit more of that to a world that I think really is ready and really needs um, a reminder that we can connect, that we can stay connected, that we are going to be okay through this. And if, and if we can remember that, then we're going to be able to overcome just about anything. So we know that employers are looking for all of these EQ skills, but also in organizations, the leadership team also needs to have some awareness of emotional intelligence. Like everybody needs to be on the same page. So I'm wondering if you could weigh in on, on ways that we can support the, the leaders in these communities and organizations and schools, um, and the people who are supposed to have it all together, but maybe they need a little bit more support. What does that look like? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, Patrick Lencioni, who's one of my favorite uh, business thought leaders, um, just sent a tweet in the last day or two that this is such an opportunity for leadership teams to uh, become more cohesive. He said, I I'm paraphrasing, um, businesses will either come out of this stronger or weaker, depending on how they respond to this crisis. And so it's an amazing opportunity for senior leadership teams to build that connection and to build that practice within themselves so that they can manifest that through the culture of the organizations moving forward. So this is the group that I love to work with because it has the highest impact on culture and workplace climate, is that there's lots of companies who are talking the talk saying we want to create a psychologically safe workplace. We want to create a, a, an environment where our people can bring their best talents, collaborate with each other, be really creative, uh, lean into failure so that we can innovate at a higher level. We all know the talking points. And it only happens if every individual in the organization feels um, supported and safe to take risks and fail so that they can really bring their full creativity to bear. We can, as leaders, create that environment, but if we don't model it ourselves, then the unspoken signal that we're sending to everybody in the organization is that it actually isn't safe to practice these things. It actually isn't safe to be vulnerable. So I love working with leaders around their own leadership style and how their own emotional intelligence comes to bear in how they lead their people. I love working with people managers because they are the highest leverage people in organizations. They're receiving strategic direction from leadership and they're leading implementation on the front line. So their ability to one, um, manage their own time and make decisions based on what they're going through is really, really important from an efficiency perspective. But two, their ability to work with their people and provide that coaching and that feedback and that space um, is essential so that their individuals and their groups, which is the third sort of people that I would love working with at entry is working on a group level, saying from an individual perspective, what's going on with each member of the team so that we can create more trust with each other and more collaboration and more safety for us to innovate and, and try and fail and improve over time. And that can look like um, group sessions, uh, Six Seconds has an amazing emotional intelligence assessment, which is scientifically verified um, and validated. That's a really um, seamlessly integrated into a workplace conversation. And we can do that with individuals uh, as leaders or with individuals as a member of the team. And the feedback that I get is that people feel so much more open and connected to the people they're working with. And that has so many benefits for how they work together. So. Um, those are just a couple of opportunities for people in the workplace to use emotional intelligence, not just to survive through this crisis, um, but to thrive once we get through the other side. I want to end off here with an analogy that I got in my inbox from I, I, somebody who was writing a book and it was one of their marketing emails, but the imagery that, that he presented really resonated with me. He says, what's going on now in the world is a two-sided puzzle. 
And on one side of this puzzle is all of the problems in the world right now. And on the other side of the puzzle is a picture of your face. And he said, you can choose to which side of the puzzle you want to solve, but it's a heck of a lot easier to put together all of the pieces of a puzzle of something familiar and something that you're, that you um, are very comfortable with, like your own face. But in the end, the puzzle gets completed. So both sides of those puzzles come together, no matter which side you're choosing to tackle. And I think that self-awareness can really translate into how are you going to help yourself? And then how is that going to make the world's problems uh, a little bit lighter? Um, and I think that's just a beautiful piece of imagery. Uh, so feel free to use that too, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to. Oh my gosh, that was, I've got a huge smile across my face. And I love the interconnectedness of the two sides of the puzzle. I don't think that they're separate. They're like really integrated. And, you know, I know my gap year that was all about going out into the world, this huge, unknowably complex, beautiful place was like absolutely fundamental for me in knowing my own face and like knowing myself um, and becoming as self-aware as you said. Um, so I love the, the, the symbiosis between like who we know ourselves to be and how we are in the world together. Well, Morgan, this has been such a pleasure to talk with you and to tap into some of your, your wisdom and your experience, your lived experience, as well as your professional experience in this field for um, those on gap years, those considering gap years, those uh, working through the COVID-19 challenges and opportunities. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. I've been following um, Ken Gap, and it's been uh, beautiful just watching you build this and looking forward to hearing uh, what everybody's gap years look like uh, in the future. So thanks for having me. Now, if folks wanted to follow along with you or reach out for some additional support, where can they find you? Uh, you know what? I'm just Morgan Tone on LinkedIn, and you can also find me at entrylearning.com uh, and see some of the stuff that's available for you. Perfect. And we will link to those in the show notes along with some of the other resources that we talked about. So uh, you can check that out as well. Thanks so much. Isn't that fascinating? I just think emotional intelligence and the way that Morgan speaks so passionately about the way that we can relate to others and the way that we can learn about ourselves is just so incredibly interesting. And what a great way to really spend your gap years really discovering who you are and how you connect with those around you. And how do you actually put those skills onto a resume so that you do set yourself apart from your peers? Now, if you are interested in a little bit more of this self-development and are on a gap year, you need to check out our gap year challenges. It really is a community of people that are there to help each other grow as well. You can learn to earn different badges along the way, and it really is a powerful journey to self-exploration so that you can come out the other end of your gap year with greater clarity and a better sense of what direction you want to head in and how you're going to leverage your existing skills or develop new ones. So if you want to check that out, head to the CanGap website or follow us on Instagram and you'll get all of the details.